Hello, welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the Pre-Match Social, back with the boys from the VBB crew. We're going to be talking about the West Brom game on Sunday, previewing that. Uh, we've got all the usual highbrow banter and stats coming up. Uh, AJ's at the ready um, with all his stats, I, I hope, anyway. Uh, uh, and we'll be talking about that. Meg's watch, of, of course. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, we, we will talk a little bit about the Man City game because there were quite a few questions uh, that I didn't manage to to sort of uh, get to in the last pod with Jugsy and Chadzi. So just just thought we'll, we'll spend a bit a bit of time on that, sort of five minutes on that first and get the thoughts of the guys on, on that game as well. Uh, but before we start, how, how are we doing, boys? Everyone good? Great. Cheers, Omar. Yeah, good. Good, mate. Yeah, Friday night podcasting. It's a whole different, it's a whole different vibe to the normal, uh, yeah, normal Thursday night uh, preview show. You know, drinks, yeah, yeah. drinks have been had. Definitely over the legal limit for handling statistics, but we'll see oh, how dear. we go. Oh dear, this oh, could dear. be interesting. This could be interesting. I hope, hope the. Uh, did you see my uh, tweet with the Meg's watch? I tagged you in. I did, mate. I replied to it. Oh, you did. Yeah, of course you did. I, I actually Come retweet. On. Actually, I haven't even yeah. drunk. I don't even drink, so. Uh, I've got no excuse, so I did retweet that actually. So, apologies for that. But we'll, we'll no, we'll, we'll touch on Meg's watch later on. Um, safe to say, AJ is very unhappy with our Meg's performance again um, mm. from from Man City game. So we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Um, but before we start, like I said, let's let's talk about the Man City game. There was quite a few questions we had. And I just did not have time to get through all of them. Um, quite a heated debate between Jugsy and Chadzi on the on the last pod. Um, sort of opposite ends in terms of their views, I think. Um, so it was, it was quite interesting, I think, to hear their, their views and their opinions. But a lot of fans, a lot of listeners have uh, have had their say as well. Um, some good, some bad, some ugly. Um, so let's get to them straight away. Um, Matsy um, says, nobody can complain about being 11th. But if the season started again, where would we expect to finish? And taking the manager out of it, based purely on our players, where should our position be? AJ, as always, will come to you first, mate. What do you um, think? Well, uh, I guess, as ever, it, Jack Grealish is part of the equation, isn't he? Uh, are we saying where would we be if we started the season now with injuries as they are, not knowing when Jack will be available, etc.? Um, because he is such a huge part of the quality of our squad, you know, genuinely world-class player. I think the only other player you could argue is perhaps in that bracket is Martinez. And even then, he's had an amazing season, but it's it, it, it one season at the top level so far. So, um, you know, he couldn't get in the Arsenal side before that. So, no, I, I've said it on the pod before, if we'd had our season the opposite way around, and we'd started very poorly and then gone on the run that we had at the beginning of the season and we were sitting in 11th now, we'd all be delighted with that, I think. Or maybe not delighted, but we'd certainly be feeling far more positive things uh, about things than we are than we are now. But I don't think that means we should overlook uh, how poor we have been in a lot of games uh, recently. There's no shame in losing 2-1 at home to Man City and, and that, you know, th- there were obviously elements of the game. Uh, well, I'm, we're going to talk about Matty Cash a little bit later, I think, um, and his rash decision-making. Um, obviously frustrating elements of that of that game uh, and it does feel like an opportunity spurned. But, you know, even 11 versus 10, are we, are, were we going to turn Man City over? Uh, who knows? So, look, I think there's issues with the quality of the squad. I think the back five are excellent. We've said that before on the pod. I think Watkins has had a fantastic first season. Um, I think Traore has done all right for a first season. You know, he's frustrating at times, but if you look at his goals and assists for a first, uh, I know he's played a few games for Chelsea, but a first proper season back in the Premier League, um, I think he's done okay. Um, So I think the real issue is in midfield and I think that's where we really lack quality physicality the ability to grab hold of teams and grab hold of games in the in the middle of the park so where would we finish um or where would we be if we're starting the season now with Jack injured it'd be very difficult I think if he was available um it'd be it'd be less difficult but I think mid-table is about our level you know and we said again earlier in the season there's not a lot 
to choose between a lot of the teams. You know, I mean, I've, I haven't watched Arsenal versus Everton this evening, but by all accounts, it was a pretty awful game, uh, only separated by uh, a big goalkeeping error. You know, you go on a decent run and you end up seventh or eighth. You have a poor run and you end up 13th or 14th. And that's where we are. And uh, I, I think given where we were last season, that's okay. If we'd finished seventh or eighth, obviously we'd have been delighted. Um, if we finish 11th or 12th, I think that's all right. I think it's about par. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's fair. Fair comments. Um, you mentioned there about the midfield. Uh, Sam, uh, interesting you hear your thoughts. And we had a couple of comments on this as well uh, about the midfield. And something we, we highlighted on the last pod as well. It seems to be a real problem area for us. Whereas when Jack was in the team, obviously the midfield were able to create more and, and have that that focal point with Jack and, and Watkins there uh, and get higher up the pitch and, and affect the play. They're really struggling with that, Jack. And that's obvious to say. We've had a couple of questions, like I said, a couple of questions around that. Uh, Biplav says, um, you know, still still feel we're a decent side, but just really missing a midfield linchpin that can unlock our attacking play. Though he was primarily on the wing, Jack was that player and Barkley a terrific partner. Both are missing now. One literally, the other figuratively. Um, and David Winter says, midfield and winger, Midfield and wingers just not working, giving the ball away too easily, not getting it back, not creating anywhere near enough, and not just last night for doing it for a while. Sam, your thoughts on our on our midfield that that midfielder McGinn, Louise, Nakamba, Sanson, hmm. sometimes Ramsey and Barkley sometimes as well. It's it's been a real problem for the last four months, hasn't it? It has, and you know, I think there's a combination of uh, you know some players having a dip in form at the same time. And, uh, and of course, you know, when that happens, levels are going to drop. There are question marks around, um, you know, wh- whether or not Smith is using the right midfield combination for the right opponent. You know, I thought that when we played against Leeds and he put Nakamba in front of the back four and, and we had a totally different performance against them compared to how we played against them at home with Jack in the team. I thought, okay, well, that, that perhaps shows that Dino's got an idea of, you know, how best to use the resources at his disposal. But since then, I, I just think that he's tried to change it up. But whatever combination he puts in there, we, we seem to be found really badly wanting, it, particularly in terms of our ball retention and our chance creation. Um, you know, I've defended McGinn on here before, saying that, you know, his, his uh, passing stats are awful, his, um, the turnovers that he's responsible for are, are really stand out. But I've defended him for saying at least he's trying to play forward, at least he's trying to um, be, be quite offensive. But actually, you know, I think that if we're going to kick on next season, we've really got to think about whether any combination of those players, as things stand, is going to be good enough. And I think the answer to that is no. And obviously we found out today that Barkley's going back, um, you know, and obviously I don't think there will be many Villa fans that don't think that's the right decision given what we've seen since the injury. Um, But I certainly think that apart from Louise, who I think has got a great future, he's out of form, but I'm sure he'll rediscover it. You know, I don't think any of the other players can really look at next season and say, yeah, I'm going to stake a claim to be an ever-present. I think we need to go into the market. I really do. Um, you know, Ramsey's got potential, but again, I don't think he's ready to play 30 games next year. So, you know, I, I agree with you, Omar, when you've been quite vocal in saying that, you know, we should all kind of look to the ownership, look to Perslow and look to Smith to have a big summer. But, you know, if we get to the first game of next season and that central midfield area has not been addressed, I think we could be in big trouble. Yeah, I, I agree. I really, honestly, I really agree. I think, um, it's a real problem area for us. And I mean, who, who knows how Sanson will play? You know, I, I'm not going to judge him on any of the games he's played so far. He's shown flashes. Um, he's had poor spells in, in games. He's had good spells in games. But I think it's it's hard to judge him in, in this, this season. We'll see how he is with the preseason behind him. Louise, like you said, obviously, uh, t- in terms of talent, you know, he's, he's obviously one of our more talented players. Um, he's, he's definitely off form, whether that's COVID related or whatever it is. And also, he's not helped by having. Uh, poor players around him, I think, or players out of form around him. You know, I think he, he needs that. And he, he does well when Jack's on the pitch, I feel. You know, he's got, yeah. he's got an outlet there. He's got someone who's on the same wavelength on him a little bit. Uh, but, you know, also it's on him as well. I don't, I don't think he's been at his best. What, 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 what's your thoughts on it, on, on it, Carl, in, in, terms of, in terms of Louise especially? Because uh, the question was posed to Pep after 
the game around whether he'd activate the the buyback clause and, and Pep was sort of pretty guarded about it and said we'll see in the summer he hasn't thought about it which which is obvious to say but I mean are you worried about him leaving do you, do you see him still being an ever-present for us next season do you think he'll kick on or do you think this is this is his level um I'm not I'm not particularly worried about Man City buying him back and that's, that's kind of for two reasons one I don't think he's at the moment, I don't think he's an irreplaceable midfielder if he did go, and he'd be going for a decent fee. But also, I don't think they're get, I don't think they're going to be looking at him. Um, I think their their money would be able to um, buy much better elsewhere. And and I, I don't mean that to say that I don't rate him. I, I think he could become a really good player. I just think. Um, I, I just think I don't think Man City will look at him again. I mean, particularly if they're judging him on the last three, three months, three or four months, where um, he's he's not been um, he's not been anywhere near his best. Um, I do I do like him, and I think he offers a lot. Um, I, I I think he needs to build his physique a little bit. Pep called him strong in one of uh, in in that interview when he was talking about him, and I was like, he's not. That that I would I would say that was one of his weaknesses in his um, upper body strength is that he can get his positioning is excellent but he can get sort of pushed off the ball quite easily. Um, so, I mean, I, I I want him to stay because I can I can see him improving to become a a, a really good player. But um, if he if you if they were to buy him back, um, which I'd, again I don't think they will, but if they were to buy him back, I don't think he's irreplaceable. And um, you know what what's the fee? buy about 30 million something like that 20 yeah I mean so it's not something I'm going to lose any sleep over I, I think he's the player that suffered most from that sense that we don't know what the best combination in that midfield is if you think about his best performance is last year you know after the lockdown when we came back and he was one of the key players that really turned the season around and held, helped us to um, stay up he was playing in that single pivot deep lying role he knows what he's doing there he knows his positioning now, when the camber's in the side, or even when we're playing more with two deep midfielders, maybe with McKin, McGinn alongside him, I don't think he looks as as comfortable um, doing that. And in particular, for example, in the game against Man City, I think asking him to push on a little bit more, I think he feels a little bit uncomfortable doing that and not being quite sure about his positioning in the way that, you know, I think Carl's right. When he is in that deep single pivot position, uh, he reads the game really well. He gets out wide to support the fullbacks when he needs to. He cuts things off. He reads the game. Um, and I think when we're chopping and changing his position all of the time, I think that's affected him. It's affected his form and his confidence um, at, at, at more so perhaps than some of the other midfield players um, uh, around him. I don't think he's adaptable in that, in that way, in the way, you know, We've been critical about McGinn, maybe, but you can ask McGinn to play in a deep role. You can ask him to play as an eight, and you can ask him to play as as a ten. And he's still going to, you know, he's still going to do a decent job because so much of his game is about that energy and uh, closing people down and all that sort of stuff. Whereas Louise's game is much more about that reading the game, positioning, finding a pass. When we're in a more dominant game, sitting in that sort of 35-yard position where he just picks it up and keeps moving it and switching the play. You know, those are his best performances when he's been in that role. And I think he's struggled a bit more when we've been chopping and changing his position. Yeah, he's, he's a young lad as well, isn't he? He's, a, what, he's only 22 years old as well. I think we forget that sometimes. Um, he's, he, you know, I think he's, he's got a big future. Yeah, he has. Well, I think he's so. Do well. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, I think he's going to... You know, that position he's playing... You tend to have some of your more experienced players playing that position normally, don't you? So, I think maybe there's you know he's still a bit of learning to do for him, but he's got he's got the ability, no doubt. The thing that worries me, and I think that Jugsy mentioned this in the last podcast, was was a lot of our midfielders seem very very much the same in terms of their stature, the way that they play the game, some of their key attributes. It is a worry that we don't, we're not really built for the physicality of the Premier League. You know, you think about like look at Tottenham, we got. Uh, Sissoka and Dombele, uh, Hoiberg. You know, you look at other 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 uh, other clubs. You got Ndidi for Leicester City. You know, these types of players. Yeah, you know, much Basuma. more physical. Yeah, Basuma, Brighton. Basuma, Brighton, quality player. I'd lo- love to sign him if we could, but 
um, you know, these types of players who, who've got a bit more about them. I just, I just, I don't know, even with Sanson coming in, you know, he, he seems very much in the mold of, I don't know, like a, like a right foot in McGinn to me. Like he's just, he's up and down. Uh, he's energetic, but it's a bit like a floating crisp packet as a, as Gary McAllister once called Stephen Island, I think, uh, you know, it's just sort of, they sort of, they sort of drift on the pitch without impacting the game too much. And that does worry me slightly. The one, yeah, I agree. They are all too similar. And I think we perhaps would benefit from a more physical presence uh, in the middle of the park. I think the only one, maybe slight counterpoint to that um, and whether we'll continue to want to play this way as we improve and sign more players, I don't know. When you think about the way we set up defensively, we've talked about that a few times on the pod, where we're not asking those midfield players to go around making big physical challenges and stuff. Actually, what we're asking them to do is block passing lanes, um, sit off, make sure they're in the right position and force players. And and do we need... uh, Is that fine for a mid-table team? And and do we need to be uh, more aggressive is is a sort of separate question. If we if we want to continue playing that way, then perhaps there's an argument that we don't we don't need that physical presence quite quite so much. Um if we think we can't continue to play that way, then absolutely we need to sign players that could do something a bit different in the middle of the park and perhaps be a bit more proactive rather than um uh more passive as we are currently. And if you look at the Leeds midfield, um they're not big physical players um, and the way they play, they don't need big physical players. Um, it's a, it's a, they're, they're a sort of, um, they play football matches like it's a basketball um, match. And um, so, but, but we don't, I mean, if you're not going to have big, strong presence in there, you need, you need players quick enough that they don't need to be big, strong um players um with the physical or, or players or players who keep the ball better so the way we're not always trying to keep mm. that's the, that's another key aspect of the midfield isn't it that that they don't keep the ball well i agree and i think if you watch the game against man city and the game the first game against leeds this season you know um we've got three central midfielders in there and you know uh if Sam, let's say we pick sanson let's say louise is in there and you know Sonson. let's say, Biden, let's say sorry of carl yeah let's say <laughs> again let's say Sonson. let's say Let's say McGinn's in there as well. I mean, you you right, watch can, we do, can we do a McGinn? Can we do a McGinn in a Scottish accent? Please? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I again. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I thought you know, and it's interesting talking about McGinn. You mentioned him a minute ago and, and saying he you know he'll do a job for you in front of the back four. You can ask him to 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 push on. John McGinn's the sort of bloke you know. You get him doing the cones, the bibs, the halftime oranges. I'm sure he'll do it all. But you know. The problem is that I don't think he's particularly good at any of them or not to the level we want to be at. But going back to my point, I think when we were watching Man City uh, and, and Leeds to an extent, um, the way they fizz the ball into each other, the, the way they rely on and, and trust each other's first touch means that the, the speed at which they're moving the ball through the lines, we just can't cope with that. Um, and I guess a question that sort of sprung to mind when I was watching it was, you know, am I ever going to see a Villa team that can play football at that level. And it's easy to think, and, you know, AJ, you made the point on the WhatsApp, this is what a billion quid buys you. But Bielsa's done it on far less, you know. And I don't know whether you guys think, when we were passing the ball, it was almost like, you know, we were hitting them at three quarters of the pace that City were hitting that hitting their passes. Uh, you know, and, we were, and, and as a result, we just looked so pedestrian. And I just think, you know, are we going to get to that level? Well, my, I've got a slight counterpoint in that the first half of the season, um, we looked like a team that had spent the amount of money we'd spent on it. We looked like that team and we were passing, well, like an unrecognisable for a Villa team. And I get what you're saying. We've not been out. Ultimately, that was all playing around Jack. Jack was the one yeah. bit of quality where everyone was playing around and he was making every other player look better than they are. Like if you look at Leeds... Um, and we've, we make that point um, quite often in, in that they they haven't got any superstar players. They've not got really good. I mean, Rafinha is is excellent, but but every single one of them has it drilled into them. And I think it's about it's more about the movement rather than any passing ability. It is purely movement where 
every every player knows where every other player is going to be on the pitch at any one uh, time and and that's the biggest thing that's missing is is movement where where i can't remember seeing a villa team other than beginning uh, half of this season where we were moving in the way that the top Premier League teams do. And we was always finding space and, and, and that's just, just stopped. And, and it can only be that Jack Grealish makes players around him better. So, um, yeah, but I, 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 I do, I do get what you mean. I was watching it. Um, I was watching the city game myself and it was just really, really frustrating to, to say. But yeah, so Le- Leeds United's equivalent of Grealish for us is Bielsa. Like he is the he is the magic ingredient that makes them the team that they the team that they are. And we've discussed this before in in the chat. I don't know if we've discussed it on the pod, but there is a question over Bielsa as to whether you can add better quality players that you're going to need to get from that mid-table position to the top half of the, the very top half of the division and the European places. Can you get those players to, to sacrifice themselves for the system in the way that he demands? If he can, then they're, they're going to keep on rocketing up, up the league. But there's a question as to whether he's been able to achieve that at any other point in his career. So I don't know why he would at Leeds United necessarily. Right. Let's, uh, let's move on. Actually, one, one more question, um, which will link into the, to the West Brom game as well. Um, and it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on Matty Cash as well on the sending off. Uh, but Dean Gregory's asked, how likely are we to see Kessler get a start with Cash suspended for the West Brom game? We'll, we'll touch on that in a second. Uh, AJ, what are your thoughts on the sending off first and Matty Cash? Uh, oh God, it was terrible. I, thought, I mean, it was so, the, the first yellow I felt like was kind of borderline as to whether it's one of those where you say, yeah, I'll take a yellow there. Uh, because Foden was killing us. He was in all kinds of form. And it was in one of those positions where if he gets past Cash there, he's running at the centre halves uh, with a chance to get in on goal. So you kind of feel like uh fair enough, pull him back, take a yellow, all, all right. Um it, it, yeah, I can see that one either way. But the second one, there's just absolutely no need to dive in and make that and make that challenge. And it's not the first time that um Cash has been involved in something a little bit Rash. Rash. Hey. Maybe uh, Cash can be a bit rash. Um, so he was, I think he was fortunate against uh, Southampton not to get sent off when he handled that ball that came across the, the box. That was a very poor sort of in the moment decision that he made. In the other Southampton fixture, he handled the ball in the box and probably we felt a bit uh, fortunate not to have a penalty given against him. Arguably, that wasn't a rash move, but still an, an error. Um, uh, and I think Sam mentioned as well uh, in the in the chat, a pretty poor challenge on Harry Kane in the, in the Spurs game um, as well. So, look, uh, you know, I had a quick look at the stats and defensively, he has been phenomenal this season. He's in the sort of top 10% of Premier League fullbacks on tackles, interceptions, clearances, blocks, Dribblers intercepted is either in the top ten percent or not, or not far off on that. So defensively, he's had an absolutely phenomenal season. But there's definitely an area of his game he needs to focus on, which is those kind of in the moment decisions that can seriously cost us. Because um, we, I mentioned whether we would have got on to win even or draw even if it was eleven v ten. Who knows? Because City are so strong. But we'd certainly started that second half pretty pretty well. And to pick up two yellows so close to one another with the second one being such a ridiculous and unnecessary challenge. Um yeah, that's something he need, he needs to he needs to look at. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, you know, he's twenty three years old, it's his second full season as a fullback, let's not forget. He's definitely got all the attributes, um, and I think he'll continue to improve. And I think overall as a signing he's been fantastic. I really has. Uh, I think uh, you know that that back five has been a big part of that back five. But he's out of all the back five, he's probably the most inexperienced. So he's going to make stupid mistakes from time to time. But he's got to learn from that. You know, you can't you can't be doing that. You can't be diving in like that. You know, we were in the ascendancy a little bit. I thought we started the second half pretty well. 
uh, person at pie. Yeah, and, and, you know, I thought maybe, I don't know, whether we scored, whether we won, who knows, but we definitely would have created chances. I think we definitely would have, uh, uh, you know, definitely made it difficult for the city. And I think that, that did ruin the game slightly. And, and what, you know, what can Dino do after that? But uh, Carl uh, mentioned there, Kessler there, uh, obviously one of the, the hot prospects. I've seen him play quite a bit now. And he definitely looks a cut above the rest, both in terms of his ability, but more importantly, I think more in terms of his attitude and, and the way he plays the game. He definitely seems like a mature guy and, and he's got a good head on his shoulders. And I think he's captain of the under 20s, under 18s. And, and um, you know, there's rumours and there's been stories from, I think, Greg and the Athletic, Greg Evans, of that he's, um, you know, he's highly thought of. Would you, would you like to see him? Or do you think Elmo would, would come in? Um, no, I, I, I mean, I'd choose Kessler. I, I think a couple of pods ago, I was saying, we was talking about whether we should now try and blood in some kids. And uh, I says, I didn't think it was the right time to do it because we could still um, get into Europe, etc. But um, no, I, I now think it is the time to do that. And as much as I love Almo as a bloke, um, I... Uh, I just, I, I just don't think he's, he's got what it takes anymore. Um, and um, I, I, I would definitely, I, I mean, I've seen him a few times. I've seen him for the uh, under 18s and, and the under 23s. And uh, he does look excellent. Um, so I, I, I'd, I'd be all for him playing. Um, do I think he'll play him? No, absolutely not. He'll play Elmo without question. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think there's anything to gain from playing Elmo at this stage. You know, the, the one small advantage that Elmo has is he's pretty good in the air and obviously it's an Allardyce team we're going to be playing so um, you know there there is that aspect uh, to it that, that maybe gives him a slight advantage but I, I just think at, at this stage in the in the season we're not going to go down you know we might nick our way up a couple of places or fall down a couple of more if we really rate him let's get him in the side and give him a go. Let's 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 move on there. Brugge is nice to the West Brom game, and and you mentioned Allardyce there. The West Brom obviously hit. Well, they did hit a bit of form prior to the Leicester game. Um, was it beating Chelsea five um, two? What have you made of West Brom under Allardyce? Do you think there's any concerns there for Villa on Sunday? Or do you think do you think it's a game that we should be expecting to win? Well, the the first ten games under Allardyce were. Unusually, unusually terrible because he normally comes in and, and makes quite a big impact quite quite early on. But they only won once in those ten games and only picked up five wins in total. And they conceded twenty eight goals and only scored eight in those in those ten games. Um, so that I mean that was appalling, really. Uh, and you could see why West Brom fans who didn't really want Allardyce in the first place um, were less than impressed with that. But actually, in the eight games since then, they've done all right. So they've won three, drawn uh, nine games, sorry, won three, drawn three and, and lost three. They've only won five games all season. Uh, and so they've won uh, the one five of, of uh, three of those five uh, in those last few games. Uh, and in those games, as you said, Omar, they beat Chelsea 5-2. They also drew with United and their other two wins were Southampton and Brighton, who, who are, you know, decent sides who we've struggled against ourselves this, this season. Um, but having said that, in that period, they've only scored nine goals. Um, so only uh, uh, just over a, a goal a game. Um, and five of those uh, came against uh, Chelsea and three against <laughs> Southampton. So actually across all of those other games, they've hardly scored um, at all. Um, but what they've really changed in those uh, in those few games is is tightening up defensively. So they've only conceded seven goals. Again, as you said, three of those came uh, last night in the in the Leicester game, and they have kept four clean sheets in those eight games. So they've kind of come back to what you would expect from an Allardyce team. Of uh, even if they're not going to score a lot of goals, they're going to be uh, they're going to be difficult to to beat um, and break down, and I think all season they've um, they've struggled to to score goals. They've only had an xG greater than two twice all all season, uh, and in fact they've had an xG of less than one in twenty one out of their thirty two games. So they really aren't a team that creates very much. They've only scored twenty eight goals all season, which is less than a goal a game. And again, if you look at 
the fact that they've you know scored uh, eight goals in their last three three games in the Chelsea and, and Southampton uh, wins, um, you know that that stat almost becomes even more stark for the games that that uh, preceded that. And then the other thing I would say on their kind of recent uptick in form, uh, I looked at that same sort of trended XG for and against um, thing that we looked at for Villa uh, a few uh, weeks ago to to kind of try and figure out where our change in form came from around that that COVID uh, outbreak as opposed to really around uh, Jack's injury. And it's very clear that the gap has narrowed, but even in this sort of period where their form has improved, it's actually still been negative in the sense that their expected goals conceded has still been higher than their expected goals for. So even though they've picked up a few results in that period, and there's a far smaller difference than there has been at any other point in the season uh, on that measure, their underlying form is certainly still not great. You know, they're still a team in the bottom three uh, and looking like they're they're going to stay there. And even actually, if you look at that Chelsea game, which they won 5-2, they actually lost on XG. So Chelsea actually created better chances than West Brom did in that that game. But um, West Brom managed to, to score five, five goals nonetheless. So, I mean, again, we're obviously very weakened without... Jack uh, and with a couple of other players potentially missing uh, as as well. They're on a bit of an upsurge, even if perhaps their form is still not brilliant at, at the underlying st- stats level. Um, so, you know, is it a game we should win? Yeah, it is. Is it a game we will win with the way we're playing at the moment? Um, I don't think there's. there's I, I wouldn't say I was confident of that at this stage. What's your What's your mood like, Sam? Um... On the game on on Sunday, um, and, and what's your mood like if if we were to lose against Baggies on Sunday? What would be your thinking? Where would you be sitting in terms of your views on Smith going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that we've uh, we've probably got our work cut out on uh, on Sunday against the Baggies because you know I think our tails are going to be down. Um, there's not a lot of optimism around at the moment, and Smith's going to have to again shuffle the pack try and find a midfield three that works, try and find, uh, you know, a combination of a front three that works. And I just haven't got that much confidence that he's got an idea of what, without Jack in the team, I just don't think he's got an idea of what his best team is or indeed what the best team is that he should pick to break down a sort of resolute defence and kind of Allardyce side. So, you know, when the team news comes out, I think we'll all be crossing our fingers that the, lads go out and put in a decent performance against the side that really we should be able to beat even without Jack. But we've said that so many times. I remember when AJ was telling us all about how Newcastle can't score, uh, you know, um, and we thought, well, we'll beat, we'll roll this lot over easily and we couldn't see it out. You know, I, I, I do worry. I think if we have a performance as turgid as uh, we've seen in recent weeks against West Brom, a team that really we ought to beat even without Jack, I think that a lot of people will probably start to question whether, um, and me included actually, whether Smith's first half of the season, you know, he's got some good results, but actually he's got a player who's probably in the top 10 players in the world on the pitch. And if you can't get results with a, with a decent defence and a, an absolute world-class forward on the, t- on, on the side, you know, there's a problem. You take the world-class player out. We know there's going to be a dip, but I think the dip's too much. I think it's. Too, I think we've dropped too far. I think we're way off it. And uh, if we don't get a a, a game, a, you know, a good result on Sunday, I think that people are going to start. Well, I know that people are already starting to question whether he's the man to take us forward. But you know, I think the assumption that we're all making it that he'll get a a closed season, he'll get a window. Um, and we'll go again in in August and, and and see where he can take us with reinforcements. If we get beaten badly on Sunday, I, I wonder whether whether the owners will pull the trigger. If not now, before the end of you know before uh, the start of next season. So I actually think he's perhaps under a bit more pressure than we might like to think. Mm, interesting, interesting. Um, I'm not. Well, I think I think fans will be split on that. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Only the owners will know. They seem like a patient bunch, but. It is a concerning period, definitely, but 
uh, I think the drop the, 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 there is a, there has been a drop as you say without Jack, but I do think the lack of quality is there to see. I think it's been apparent, um, and it was it was apparent on Man, against Man City. You know, we made I think he made the right changes against Man City. I think that's what I would have done. He went adventurous. He put Davis on, but you know, Davis wasn't getting games in the Championship. Never mind trying to make an impact against the best team in the world in club football. So it, it is a worry, though. It is a worry that there's such a drastic difference between the two, but also a worry that we haven't yet learned to play without Jack. And it's been two and a half. You know, Smith's been here what two and a half years or whatever. It's that is that does worry me slightly. Um, I, I think. Question for you, yeah, Omar. Right, this what if if we don't pick up any more wins, right, and perhaps we might get a couple of points between now and the end of the season. Do you think that if that was the case, the man, the owners might look to to get rid of Smith? Or, or So from that point of view, is he under pressure actually to get so, a couple more results? Or do you think whatever happens, even if we lose on Sunday and we lose all the rest of the games, he'll still get the close season, he'll, he'll still be in charge in August? I, I think if we lost every game, then I think he'll, be, he'll, he'll go. But I think, yeah. uh, I think you're right. We'll pick Is that up a few- pressure? Yeah, I think that's pressure. But I think I think that's that's the same for any manager, though. I think if they lost six or eight games in a row, or whatever, seven games in a row, then I think they'll be under pressure. Uh, but I think I think he'll pick up points, and I think they'll give him the summer. Uh, I think they have to give him the summer. You know, uh, I think from from what from where we were to where we are now, it depends what the owners are like. If they're if they're looking short term or long term, I think they're looking long term. So I think they'll be looking season by season rather than you know game periods by game periods. If, if you if you know what I mean. But I don't yeah, know. Sure. I don't know. I mean, it's up to the owners at the end of the day. It's they're, it's they're, they're running the club. It's their money. So I'd be surprised if they didn't give him the lease this summer. And 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 I'd also be surprised if Grealish doesn't come back maybe from Man United game onwards and uh, and make us a bit of an impact on our team and we, again, pick up some points. Because there's, there's still some winnable games there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. There are concerns there. There are definitely concerns there. Um, but I, I think maybe it's more it's become more apparent to the owners and the management team that actually the squad depth is lacking and there's a lack of quality there. I think maybe. But um, looking look, looking at the West Brom game, Carl, what 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 kind of changes would you think Smith should be making? What kind of changes do you think you would be making if you were the manager? Um, well, just just before I, I, just before. We talk about the West Brom game. I just going back on to Dean Smith and his future. I I go as far as to say he's owed another summer. Um, I think he's done enough to to for us to give him that. I mean, you know, if we lost every single game, which isn't going to happen, but if we did, you'd have to look at it slightly differently. But he's absolutely owed a um a, 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 the summer uh, another uh, transfer window. He's done. He's done. Um. He's done brilliantly, really, uh, in year-on-year improvements. You can't deny that that's exactly what he's given us. Um, so, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like he's owed owed another transfer window. Um, but as you say, that, that's dependent on him. If he loses every single game, uh, then it's slightly different, isn't it? But Pep Guardiola would be sacked if he loses every single game between now and the end of the season. I, yeah, I, I would but imagine. it's a lot. It's a lot more likely that Dino's going to do it, though, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, of course it is. But that's when. But we're not. We're not talking about whether Villa or Man City are more likely to to lose football matches, are we? We're, we're talking about. Um, we're talking about what would happen if a manager lost eight games in a row, whatever. But. But but I get it. I mean, we're 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 clearly. I'm I'm not I'm not saying I don't believe he's the Messiah. And uh, if I don't see an improvement at the beginning part of next season, um, if we look like we're taking a step backwards, I'm absolutely I'd be I'd be saying should he be the man that takes us forward. But I kind of feel like he um he deserves the chance to prove um to prove what he can do with another summer because with the the squad that he's trying to build he he. You know, he's come from. If you think about the team we had that got promoted from the championship um, to where we are now, it is better. It's 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 much better, but it's not good enough to to get us into you know um, Europe at the minute. But um, saying all that, I think we're going to lose uh, on on Sunday. <laughs> um, I, I just, I really, I really don't. Um, 
I, I really don't see us see us winning it, and I I just feel like we're our heads are going to be um, a bit a bit down after um, after the Man City game, um, mainly because of the performance um, overall rather than the result. We weren't we weren't expecting to beat them, were we? Let, let's face it. But um, I I think West Brom pretty much have to win it um, to to stand any chance of staying up. Um, I think they're going to give it a real good go and I think they might um, be too physical for us. Um, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean my score prediction in a bit is going to be uh, different to what I usually predict. <laughs> we look forward to that. Look forward to that. But yeah, but, I, but you, you asked you asked sort of about, quickly about um, what, change, I spoke about something else, uh, completely ignored your question. Sorry, Omar. But, um, uh, well, I mean, I'd, I'd put Kessler in at right back. Um, I wouldn't play Almo, as um, mentioned earlier. Um, a midfield, I, I'm, I think I'm struggling as much as Smith to try and put three in there that will um, will work. Um, we're playing against West Brom. Um, why not play a four four two? Sort of try and match them in a, in that sense in that we're, um, we'll try and get the ball forward as quickly as possible and hopefully the extra bit of quality our individuals have um, went out but he's not going to do that um, it's possibly what I would have done um, but I also says I would have done that for the Liverpool game which actually thinking about it would have been horrendous uh, but I, I think did, I did say that, mate, at the time. Yeah, I know you did. I know you did. And yeah. uh, but 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 I, I I staunchly just stuck stuck to my uh, guns. But but it might be it might be worth um, doing something. What what I, what I don't think worked against Man City is Ramsey on the left. Um, and I thought it was a no. I thought it was a bit dubious when I saw that was what was happening. But you know, it was worth worth giving it a go. He has a lot of energy, so. Um, I can kind of see the thinking behind it, but it absolutely didn't work. It seems, it seems like um, it seems like Smith's lost a bit of trust in some players. For me, Barkley, Algarzi. Um, it seems it seems like he's not he's not he's not, yeah he's not sure about them because you'd expect Algarzi yeah. to play on the left, wouldn't you? I think, but maybe he thought. I mean, he did throw yeah. he did throw Barkley on, which was a bit of a surprise given recent games and you know. Did you see um, playing did you, against? Them. Did you see what Ming said or what what he was supposed I to did. say? Yeah, now, I'm not sure yeah. whether he said it looked like he said either. You should have passed Ross, fuck off Ross. Or he said, you should be asked Ross, fuck off Ross. Or that was a shit pass, Ross, fuck off Ross. I'm not really sure. It's one of those three. All we can be sure of is that fuck off Ross was on there somewhere. He told him to fuck off. That's yeah, the he told thing. Ross to fuck off. And I think we all were. It could have been fuck off boss. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been fuck off Ross, fuck off Ross, fuck off Ross, and he could have just been screaming that for the rest of the match. Uh, I, I know, I, yeah, I know, but, I was. Um, but I mean, to be fair to Smith, we've criticised him for being uh, conservative with his substitutions and, and so on. And you know, whilst we might uh, not have thrown Barkley on, it was a bold attacking substitution, wasn't it? And given the limited options he had on the bench, what else was he going to do in that circumstance? And also, Nakamba had been poor um, and was really struggling more than anyone with the sort of pace of the passing and movement that, that Sam mentioned. No, um, let's let's talk about West West Brom then quickly then because uh, we we seem we seem to keep getting sidetracked, which is uh, all, it always tends to happen when Villa are losing or not in good form. We tend to talk about bigger picture stuff. I think most fans do anyway. But um, Castle alluded alluded to it earlier. We said about West Brom needing to win this game, you know. And and Sam said, Sam Allardyce said, I'm talking like Sam, like he's my mate, but Sam Allardyce, big Sam, not not Sam Cleary, who's on the pod with us, but <laughs> Sam Allardyce said they need to win the five of the last six games. And he talks about how a lot of the good form recently has been down to their good defensive uh, performances, and that was lacking against Leicester City, and then, and then Leicester City just tore them apart. But looking at the, looking at the the, the defensive uh, um, statistics, and, and sort of AJ's touched on this already, but it was quite uh, quite interesting to read that um, West Brom have conceded sixty two goals a season, but across Europe's top five leagues, only. Croton in Italy have conceded more 80 and, and Schalke 
76, and Parma 66. So 33 teams more have conceded more goals than West Brom this season. Do you, th- do you think, AJ, do you think um, the Leicester performance is hopefully a sign that they aren't in good form and they're actually back to their worst, if you like, and, it, and good for Villa? I mentioned it in the sort of uh, form preamble that even if you count those three goals they conceded against um, Leicester, they've still only conceded seven in their last eight games. So yes, they've conceded a huge amount of goals in the season overall, but actually recently they have been defensively fairly solid. Uh, They've kept four clean sheets in their last eight games. So um, whether we can read enough into the Leicester game to say some of their defensive frailties have crept back in and maybe their confidence will be a bit knocked by that or whether it's just the case that Leicester are the third best team in the league this season uh, and even if the second worst team in the league this season have improved significantly defensively, the third best team in the league is still going to uh, stick a few chances um, past them. I mean, they have a solid setup. They typically have been playing a sort of four-four-one-one with um, Pereira playing up. Pereira playing off Diagnos uh, up front, so Pereira could sort of drop in and make a fifth midfield player uh, as well. So. Again, you know, they are going to um, try and dominate those um, midfield uh, areas. And, you know, as Carl mentioned, they are uh, pretty physical. Uh, it probably won't surprise anyone to hear that they've completed fewer passes than anyone in the entire league this season. They are not a passing football side. But interestingly, I talked at the beginning about that sort of form uh when Allardyce first took over the for, for the first 10 games and then the, the games after that and how it shifted. Um, overall, only Burnley have played the, the ball long more often than West Brom as a share of their passes um, this this season. Um, and uh, they tend to play it, as you would expect, in the air more than most teams uh, as well. But if you look at that on a game-by-game basis, those first 10 games when Allardyce came in, they were their long ball percentage massively shot up from something like 20-25 under Bilic to over 30% consistently for those 10 games, which Burnley, with the highest overall for the season, is, is 28%. So to spend 10 games having sort of 33% of your passes being long balls... Um, it was really significant in, in terms of the way the Premier League generally works these days. But actually, in the more recent games where they have been um, very uh, more successful, that percentage has come back down again to more like 25%, which is sort of similar to us. So still fairly direct and fairly long balls. Uh, you know, when you look at City, it's like 15%, for example, uh, but far less than that kind of peak when Allardyce first came in. And I think we need to be a bit careful about the direction of causation on that. Like, I don't think they've gone, oh, let's stop playing it long quite so much. And that's why their form's improved. I think because he's got that defensive shape now that he's happy with, and they're a bit more solid at the back, um, they're a bit more comfortable. They've got a little bit more time. So they're still going to be direct. But I think in those first 10 games... It was literally just get it forward as soon as you can. So we've got a hopefully some chance of reorganising before the ball comes back again. And now I think they've improved on that slightly. They're still direct. They're still long ball um, overall um, relative to most of the league, but not to quite that sort of same, just uh, hit it anywhere forward as quickly as you can sense that they had in those first 10 games where they were where they were poor. They've been playing uh, Maitland-Niles midfield, haven't they? I think. Uh, I yes. saw. I, I quite like Maitland Niles. I think he's a really good player. I think he's underutilized. Yeah, he's a good player. The other one, I yeah, the other one I wanted to mention in midfield was Connor Gallagher, who, um, whenever I've watched them, I've been very impressed with. He's kind of like uh, a McGinn, but who can actually pass the ball. Um, so he's you know he's really high in the rankings on things like uh, for midfielders on things like number of tackles number of pressures but also an ability to get forward into the box so he's kind of that old school number 8 who's very busy very strong defensively but can also burst forward a little bit as well and i think if he had better players around him um he looks like and he's still very young obviously he's on loan from chelsea he's he looks like he's going to be a 
uh, a quality player. And it would kind of be interesting to see him versus McGinn uh, in the middle of the park because yeah. I feel like they're quite similar players yeah. in some I like, ways. I like Gallagher, yeah. Uh, it seems like Romain Soyes is completely out of the picture. He's really struggled to adapt to the Premier League, I think, and probably a big factor in why they were struggling early on. He just was losing every midfield battle. And uh, it's, it's quite apt, I think, that is because obviously Romain Soyes was the main link with Villa and I think if we'd stayed in the Championship, then potentially that he'd be a player playing for us right now. So, you know, sort of sliding doors moment there or, or basically or look back to what could have been almost. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, I want to touch on a few things. I want to do West Brom memories uh, quickly. I want to do Jack Jack Grealish conspiracy theories because uh, <laughs> we've, we've had that on the on the chat group. And then oh, predict oh predictions as well. Obviously, predict predictions of the game as well. Um, and Meg's watch as well. Obviously, Meg's watch quickly. So how should we do this? All right, let's do uh, predictions quickly. Just just fire off your predictions to me quickly. So uh, Carl, you first, mate. Uh, we're going to lose one now. What? You can't say it. No, uh, twenty-seven nil. There it is. There it is. <laughs> who's scoring? Who's scoring? Scott going to score twenty-seven own goals because he's absolutely dog shit. <laughs> Please happen. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Sam. Oh, yeah. Two-one defeat for me. Oh God, this is, this is down, down beat. JJ. AJ, mate. J- I said, Jacob I said, Ramsey. I said AJ. Did, uh, I? did I say JJ? <laughs> that sounded like JJ to me. Um, uh, one-one, but an absolutely terrible, terrible game. Uh, it's going to be, yeah, really awful. Good podcast, this, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, fuck it. I think we're beating him. I think we're beating him four-nil. So there you go. Yes. Yes. Come on, Villa. Yeah. Get in them. Get amongst them. I love it. If Villa, we had Villa Park for Villa Park. That would have been amazing, but. Not to be, not to be. Uh, I do think we. I think I think this run of form we've had in the last four months would definitely be missing the fans. I think that that would have helped the players a little bit. Albeit, I think probably would have negatively impacted them at the beginning of the season. So yeah, swings and roundabouts and all that. Um, right, favorite memories. Just quickly, who wants to go first? Um, well, I remember a game where Lee Andrew got sent off. Uh, for us, uh, it was 1 1, I think it was, and I think him and I can't remember the West Brom player, but they they sort of went head to head and they both got sent off. And um, I don't remember anything about the match, um, but I was in uh, the elbow room that evening, and uh, Gareth Barry and Lee Andrew was in there. And um, I don't know whether I should say this because Gareth Barry might have been in a relationship at the time, but he uh. I saw him going off with three girls who were touring members of Riverdance that were in Birmingham at the time. You've, 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 uh, you've made that up, surely. <laughs> no, no, wish I had. Wish I had. Uh, I've spoke to Lee Andrew outside and he was a bit of an arse. Really? That's a surprise. A surprise. Nice. Yeah, he's a nice guy now, though. You think? Apparently. Shit pundit. Shit pundit, yeah. Shit pundit. Shit pundit. Well, uh, I was in I was in the whole end last I was in the whole end for the Hurrahan screamer. Oh yes. Yes. I was gonna mention that. Yeah, definitely. That's the best what the best a, what a strike. One of the one of the best uh, reactions to a goal I think I've ever witnessed first hand, I think, from, from Villa Villa fan and the whole end. That Villa fan limbs, oh, limbs oh, mate. Crazy. That's what the that's what the youngsters say, isn't yeah. it? Limbs. I think it was relief though. It was absolute relief because obviously Dwight Gale scored and then we just weren't really playing that well. And it's like this is the home leg. We've got to turn this around and and you know we were just, it was just fortunate that Jack took the game by the scruff of the neck. But it what a strike from Huran, the wand. Yeah. Great to see. I think I was in the Trinity. Was it with you, AJ? Uh, possibly, it's possible. I, you know, my memory for these games is terrible. Yeah, well, um, this is always a good section for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Although I have got one, which is the cup uh, quarter final, um, where uh, yeah, we invaded the pitch at the end. I was on the, in the Trinity for that one as well. Oh yeah. Uh, so I didn't personally invade the pitch because I was in the upper tier, and, and I'm not into that sort of thing. And also, was that when it, was that when the BBC was saying it was a return to the dark ages? Yeah, which was an overreaction, but I do also think it's a bit small time to invade oh, the is. pitch for winning it a is. cup quarterfinal. It is, but it's um, you know we're not, we're not, we're not talking us. about who cares? yeah we're not talking beneath about us. headbutting police horses on the pitch and stuff, are we? It was just, <laughs> no, it was just some even the, middle class old guys just jumping. Jumping around with a, a carrier bag, uh, a Tesco carrier bag with I don't know Scotch yeah. eggs in them. It was a terrible, it was a terrible game. We somehow managed to win it two 0 despite that Villa team 
uh, still being pretty terrible under Sherwood. Um, and uh, Jack got sent off at the end, didn't he? Second yellow. Oh, yeah. like for in diving. Like the 90th, mi- for diving, 90th, wasn't it? 90th minute. Or yeah, something. the only yeah. time he's ever been booked for diving as well, I think. No, he got booked for, he got booked yeah. for diving the championship. So, he got booked in diving championship, but it was death. It was a, oh, it was a 100% penalty. 100% penalty, and he got booked for diving. Okay, right? yeah. so so it was the only time he's been booked for diving when it was an actual dive. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it was a dive. It was a dive, yeah. It was a yeah. Dive. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was, but I enjoyed it. You know, I always enjoy the old um, please please exit to Wembley signs on the on the way out yeah. of the of a quarterfinal. Yeah. So um, so that was a that was a good one. And also, I was with uh, my mate Neil, who uh, lives in the Black Country, so um, very much enjoys uh, whenever we defeat the Baggies or Wolves um, far more than the Blues, to be honest. So. Um, it was good. It was good for him as well. I've never actually been to the Hawthorns. I think I've I've been I've been to Villa Park and seen them. I think every time I've been to Villa Park and we played them, we beat them. Um, I think the thing of the games, obviously the the, the semi final playoff. Uh, Curtis Davis when he scored against them and he did that. It looked like he broke his neck, but he scored a header and then he did the old A sign. Was one yeah. of his mates. Yeah. Uh, and there's been some other games as well. Obviously when uh, Benteke scored that penalty. Um, I remember actually being in New York and watching the. Uh, the uh, game against West Brom when Benteke scored the absolute screamer at their ground. Do you remember when he just turned, yes. turned, yeah. turned and drilled it. Oh, it? What a goal! We're right behind that. What a goal! Yeah. What just casually, just just casually dropping in the New York trip there. Yeah, uh, yeah, lovely. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, just, I've been, uh, I've been to the, yeah, I've been to the Hawthorns once, but again, it's one of those that I couldn't tell you anything about the game. I know Stan, no, Col- same of- Stan Collymore was playing for us at the time, but uh, I don't remember. Um, the score. I, I feel like it was a draw, but I'm making it. I might be making it up. You've been to New York as many times as you've been to the Hawthorns, Carbo, sound of it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I have, yeah. I have, actually. Um, I've actually been to watch a game at the Hawthorns in the home end when Villa weren't playing. Now, that is a Yeah, shocker. me too. In fact, uh, the first the first football game I ever went to uh, was at the Hawthorns because my dad got some tickets off a sponsor for his work and they lost 3-1 to West Ham United. And it was a lucky escape for me, really, because growing up in Hales Owen, it's very much a Villa-West Brom split. There aren't really very many blue noses around. Because my mum's a Man City fan, I had no specific Villa influence in, in the house. So who knows, if I'd gone to that game and uh, West West Brom had won convincingly, then I, I maybe I'd have been dragged in, into that uh Dark pit of despair. The only reason you're going to support West Brom if you're from House Owen is if your parents are West Brom fans. You're not going to choose of your own accord to support West Brom over Villa, are you? What sort of well, idiot would do that? No, well, well, no I didn't. Brom, but I like the Lords by Shepherd. It's quite cute, isn't it? The Lords by Shepherd thing. No, I it's a bit weird. I only spotted it the other day, and I don't quite get what, what, oh, what yeah, it's they, all about. They, they, when they score, they all sing it. It's very cute. I like to patronise them and go, "Oh, that's lovely. That it's really nice. That when you get a goal." Can we can we just just remember? And I hope the the guy who plays the uh, boiler hasn't been furloughed. But can, can we all just remember the fact that they've got an actual boiler as their mascot at the minute? Well, let me tell let me tell you about that as well. Um, when I when I worked in my uh, previous job, they were actually pitching for the ideal boilers uh, marketing uh, business and did not get it because obviously whoever else pitched it must have pitched Boilerman because uh, <laughs> that was that was the ideal Boilers uh, idea that, that came along next. So uh, my friends uh, who worked on that and that pitch were particularly interested to see the emergence of Boilerman. I saw, I saw that mentioned actually when they were talking about the Super League and uh, they were talking about Man United playing against teams with Boilers as their mascot and they were, they were using it as a like, sort of uh, basically taking the piss out of the shit team to Man United have to play and they were using West Brom's mascot as the reason why the Super League was happening. So, uh, blame, I don't think you West can Brom. judge a team by its mascot, can you? Wow. Why not? Boilers are... I, mean, Boilers I are, like ours. Ours is pretty good. Hercules is, yeah. is, a, is a dude, man. He's a I like dude. him. Yeah. Mm. But boiler, uh, boiler, uh, boiler, uh, boiler's a weird one, though. Come on. Boiler's a weird one. It is weird. I mean, a man just dressed up as a boiler. What's, what's all that about? All right. Let's um let's move on. Some good memories there. Uh Meg's watch, AJ, what you got for us? Quick quick couple of minutes on that, mate, please. Well, obviously there were no Megs uh in in the last game. Um one thing I've I've looked at, uh, there's been some requests for a deeper dive on on Megs and I haven't done a big deep dive. Um, who's requ- who's requested that? 
Oh, it's on Twitter, mate. We can dig it out if you don't, if you don't believe me. <laughs> um, and choosing Meg's watch as a feature on an Aston Villa podcast, it turns out, uh, was a pretty terrible decision because not only have we got amongst the fewest Megs in the league with uh, 14 and, and only uh, Southampton are worse than us in terms of Megs for, I've also looked at Megs against and actually we don't concede many Megs either. So in fact, if you look at the number of Megs in our games in total, both for and against us, there's only been 31, which is the least in the entire league. So if you're looking for Megs, Watching Villa games is the last place uh, The last place you want to look. Chelsea have the most megs, 25-4 and 26 against, 51 megs in Chelsea games, 1.6 megs per game for Chelsea. So that's where you want to be if you're uh, looking for megs. Would you, would you, uh, uh, would you, de- would you uh, defect and go to a Chelsea podcast just to, just to cover the megs? Mm, I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't mind being a travelling megs watcher across all the different, uh, all the different podcasts. Well, why don't you go and, why don't you, one you do don't... one with the other 14 and with Nick Gerardier, AJ? And, yeah, uh, that's blat- true. Just blatantly Dis- Nick Gerardier of doing a megs watch. I know, disgusting, isn't it? But um, Southampton are the team you don't want to be because if you look at Meg's difference, so obviously the amount of Meg's you've achieved as a team versus the amount of Meg's you've conceded, Southampton have got minus 23. They have been Meg'sed 23 times more well, than Meg's they have delivered. You know I've got a theory on this, don't you, that they've got famously a lot of bow-legged uh, players in the team. <laughs> Marion Farhas was bow-legged, wasn't he? Uh... Yeah. yeah, and still top of the still top of the league for um, Megs four is Leeds United. So we don't Boom. Yeah, not that. We don't. So God, I hope there's I hope there's some Megs in the next game. We need it. We, we need it. We need it. Troy to step we up. Do need Tra- I think Troy's got our most. Troy's got our most Megs, hasn't he? He's got five out of what fourteen. He's got more than a yeah. third of our Megs. Yeah. He's, he's a Jack Grealish and Megs, isn't he? Yes. He right. Let's move on. Uh, I was going to talk about Jack. Uh, Grealish's conspiracy theories, but Sam's pissed off somewhere. So, uh, and he he was amazing. Talk about it without him. He's the, he's the main instigator. Talk about it. He's the main instigator of the yeah. Jack Grealish conspiracy theories, though. So, yeah, but we can t- we can we can all talk about how how much a load of bollocks it is. All the conspiracy theories. Or I can just make one up. Go on, you make one up, Carl. What you got? Um, he's just uh... no, I haven't got anything. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, he's just injured, isn't he? He's, I think he's, he's, he's injured. They thought he was going to come back. He came back. It was all there was a lot of uh, furore about him coming back, and the social media team were putting something out about he's back and all this kind of stuff. He came back into training, and obviously he felt a bit more pain. He's like, well, actually, it's worse than we thought. That's it. But as Omar, as that. Omar, there must be just a tiny bit of you that thinks he could be the sleeping pills and vodka guy. Yeah, of course. It's Jack Grealish. I mean, have you seen, of course. Have you seen him in, in interviews when he turns up just after training? His hair's everywhere. He's very laid back and he, he looks like he's just dropped a couple of sleeping tablets. I do. I, do worry, I, do, I Generally, I do worry about him because obviously what's happening off the field and with the driving ban and all that kind of stuff. I think there is something, there may be something there that maybe he needs to address. I don't know. Uh, it's hard to say from looking well, from the outside to make looking it, in. To, to sort of make a serious point on this, and I said this to you guys the other day, um, I do think the way Smith is handling this injury is inviting these conspiracy theories, and I don't think that is good for Jack. Like, uh, If there was more transparency from the club about exactly what his injury was, what sort of treatment he's having, um, and when we could expect him back, which every other club in the Premier League seems to do for every injured player, I, I just don't get why they're being uh, being so protective over something that seems like it's probably just a straightforward injury. And I think by doing that, you open it up to these questions around: is it something else? And that can't be that can't be good for Jack because you know he's on social media; he'll be seeing that, um, you know. Maybe, maybe he's listening to us. Who knows? Um, you know, we should, there's no need to raise these questions. And I don't think, you know, this idea that it's keeping some secret from uh, the um, opposition, they're going to know whether he's been in training or not. You know, like it's not hiding anything from the opposition at all. All it's doing is frustrating fans uh, and inviting this kind of uh, imaginary debate about... Um, whether there's something more uh, uh, serious or underhand going 
going on that we're not being told about. So I just think, just tell us about it properly. I did. Um, I was just going to say that you mentioned there about him listening to the pod. I did actually speak to his brother, Kavan, uh, early part of this, the pod season. Oh, here we go. Well, I've been to New York. I'm talking to Jack's family. Yeah, oh, we're, yeah. we're close. We're close. We're not. I just messaged him. I just talked to him on Instagram. He used to be on Villa Talk, actually. And uh uh, we talked to him through there. But anyway, I was just talking to him and I said, uh, oh, by the way, we're using Jack's uh, best day of my life quote. Is he okay with it? And uh, he said, yeah, he's he's more than fine with it. And he'll, he'll, he'll get Jack to listen to the pod. So maybe he is listening to the pod. We don't know. Maybe he's listening to the pod. Well, let me let me just say this then. I absolutely love you, Jack. If you're listening, <laughs> I genuinely love you. I'm 40 and I genuinely love you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've literally got a picture of him here behind me. So, you know. Yes, yes. For the, if this is only an audio uh, podcast, but he did just point at a picture behind him just for those yeah. listening who can't and, see what he just pointed a at. Na- a naked picture of Jack he drew himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, we've, we've all got one, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. In our heads. Anyway, um, uh, um, Sam, well, apparently Sam actually went off to do the night shift. Apparently, the night feed. I like that he's disappeared off, but he's left his camera on. So yeah, sort of I just... mean, leaves leaves that open to some conspiracy theory, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, maybe we should make yeah. up a Sam conspiracy theory where he's really gone. Yeah, maybe he's got Jack in his cellar or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, Dean Smith' latest thing he said was, and this is going back to your point, AJ, about Dean Smith managing this. And I do, I do think that Jack, if it was up to Jack, he'd be telling the world this is what's wrong this is what's happened but for some reason i think dino has decided to keep it stern and, and keep it guarded but he said dean said there's no there's not really a timeline as such he's due to have a scan next week and hopefully that clears up and he can then get on with training but we're guided by the doctors i've no doubt he'll be okay for the euros doesn't sound promising I mean, at all does it if there's if there's no timeline as such how can he have no doubt that he'll be ready for the euros yeah, I, don't I mean know. yeah it's just it, and, that, and that's the sort of stuff. Like he's talking about, he's going to have a scan. Like I'm pretty sure he was telling us about a scan he had before, and and it came back and it didn't show up anything sinister. And then, of course, he could have then done come back into training a bit earlier and then done a little bit more damage. But it just it just all seems a bit what? disingenuous. Also, why is he waiting? Till, you don't know why wait till next week for a scan? I mean, I know there's but, a, yeah. I know there's a pandemic going on, but he's probably going private, yeah. so I'm sure he can get a scan pretty quickly. <laughs> The start point of all of this as well, which is to say it's not a serious injury. It's not a recurrence of a pre- it's previous injury. It's not a long-term injury. injury. It's not a long-term injury, but I'm also not going to tell you what it is. Uh, you know, and, and just this idea that they've got no sense of when he's going to be back. I just don't... I mean, it all points to sleeping pills and vodka to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, on that note, let's uh, let's call it a night. <laughs> but uh, thanks, boys, for your time. Uh, thanks, Sam, wherever you are. Uh, look after Jack for us, will you, mate? Um, but <laughs> thanks thanks for listening, everyone. It's been a pleasure again uh, talking about the West Brom game. We'll be back, obviously, after the West Brom game uh, with the boys uh, probably Monday at some point with the uh, review show. I'll be on the Villa View Sunday as well, so watch out for that. Um, uh, oh, there's another there's one. Another, another uh, I'm not actually, this is not me name dropping. This is just me talking about stuff. Well, mm, it sounds a bit name dropping. All right, fine. All right. All right. Fair enough. Can I can I can I just do a little name drop? Yeah. And fuck, fuck Frank Skinner and Adrian Charles. Up the villa. <laughs> On that note, up the villa. Thanks, boys. Up the villa. I love it. Manu bahut changa lagda. <laughs>